0: You are listening to the sermon podcast of Redemption Chapel in Stowe, Ohio. For more resources and information, go to redemptionchapel.com. One of the things that is pretty common to have around your house, and maybe you have one of these, is a sign that has some type of inspirational word or saying, right? You know what I'm talking about. Like, they're, they're kind of inspirational, encouraging, but you're like, these are cheesy as all get out as well, right? But you have them anyway. So let me, let me give you some examples. Maybe it's something like this, like grateful, right? Cause life, you know, it's, life's hard and you're like, let's just remind ourselves to be grateful around the house, right? So you have a nice inspirational sign. Maybe this one, this is pretty popular. This is us, right? Well, this is a funny one because I was telling my wife this week, I'm like, hey, I'm going to like introduce my sermon by talking about these cheesy signs and I got this one called this is us and she goes, Austin, we have that one in our house. I'm like, we do, right? Like it's in our living room and I've never paid attention to it. So I got you, right? But we all have those kind of signs. And then maybe you have one like this. Uh, life is good. Alright, right. Like I don't like this one. This one's dumb to me. Cause I'm like, come on, really? Like life is not always good. Like there's a season of my life. I'm watching the Browns on Sunday and I'm going, life sucks. Like I have no idea what's happening right now. I want to hit my head against the wall. Like but, you know, you might need a sign to remind you. Life is pretty good, right? But we all have those signs. And, and if you're a Christian, non-Christian, it doesn't matter. These kind of things look good. We put them up for decorations. But if we're Christians, sometimes we like to get a little more spiritual and we throw up a Bible verse, right? So maybe we have a sign that has a, a phrase or scripture from God's word. And so you've probably seen this one. Joshua chapter twenty-four, fifteen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm pretty sure we had this one growing up in my house as I was a kid. I don't even know what I have in my house now, so I'm not even sure if that's legit or not, but I feel like I've seen this one before. But we all seen those, right? And in this passage or this verse, it does come from uh, the End of the Book of Joshua." It's a very popular verse that we all know, but it comes from one of the final scenes in the Book of Joshua. That as Joshua is kind of transitioning out of leadership, as he's getting to the end of his life, he wants to gather Israel together and he wants to give them two final speeches, basically two final addresses before he is done. And we find the first of those two in chapter 23. And then in the final chapter of the book of Joshua, chapter 24, we read this final address to Israel. Now, what's interesting is this this is also the chapter, we find the final stack of stones, So we've been going through this series called Stacking Stones. We've been looking throughout Joshua and seeing all these different times where God told Israel, hey, stack stones to remember my faithfulness. Make these memorials, stack these stones so that you can remember how good I am and how faithful I have been to you. And as we get to the very end of the book of Joshua and even the end of Joshua's life and leadership, Israel is going to have one more stone to stack. And that's what we're going to look at this morning together. Now, I want to go ahead and give you a heads up of what Joshua's main theme is in this address. As he addresses Israel one final time, there's kind of one main thing he's pushing at. There's one main focus, and it's this. Is that he wants to challenge Israel to make a decisive decision on whom they will serve. So he wants Israel to know. Hey, God has been good to you. God has been faithful to you. God has done some amazing things in our history, but you have to, Israel, you have to choose who are you gonna serve? He uses the line we all know. It says, choose this day whom you're gonna serve. And he says, Israel, you gotta make a choice. And he tells Israel, he says, hey, you can either serve the one true God, the one who rescued you, delivered you, brought you out of slavery, giving you the promised land. You can choose that God, or you can choose the false gods the idols that you used to worship before the one true God came into your life, or maybe the idols that the people around you are worshiping in other nations. But you've got to make your choice. Who are you going to serve? Now, before we get into the text, I want to make sure we understand we're not talking about just Israel. We're talking about us because we too have to make that choice. We too have to decide who are we going to serve? Now, I get it. We're in church on a Sunday morning. You're like, I oh, choose Jesus. Yeah, whatever. But like 5 o'clock this afternoon, you're going to serve something else probably, right? Uh, you're going to you're gonna flake. We're all flaky. We're all, all over the place. So you got to choose. Like, who are you going to serve? And so we have to wrestle with this question. Who or what am I serving? And again, I hope the answer is God. Like, I hope you can say it's God. But, but I'm a pastor, and I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I can't say it's God all the time. And so it's okay if you're like, it's not God. We're all struggling there. No matter where you're at spiritually, even if you want to serve God, even if you choose to serve God, we know there's things that pull us the opposite direction. There are other false gods that we tend to worship and they uh, get our attention. One of the ways you can figure that out, you can answer this question by asking other questions like, what do you daydream about the most? Like what goes through your head? What are you thinking about all the time? What's that thing that dominates your mind? That could be the thing you're serving. What thing do you spend the most money on? right? Our budget reveals a lot. Like what is that thing you're spending your money on? That could be the thing you're serving or just time. Like what do you give up most of your time to go do? That could be what you're serving. And so I want to help you out. I want to, I want to throw some modern false gods, right? I, I I thought about some of these. I pulled the staff. I even let G- chat GPT help me out a little bit. So uh, here we go. But here are some modern false gods. So maybe it's work. Maybe it's work. Uh, and I'm, I work here and I love working here, but I am like many of you, I can be so in the mind of, I have to serve work as my God that I give so much time and energy and focus to it. And many times that's a modern God that we worship. Maybe it's success that could be in work. That could be in other areas of your life, parenting, right? Or anything you do, you want to be successful and you serve that as a God. Maybe it's the approval of others that you live and die by the approval of others, that you want people to like you, and maybe that comes out on social media or in, or in interactions with people, but you are serving the God of approval. Maybe it's hobbies. There's a hobby in your life, right, guys? How much time and money do you spend on that golf course, all right? I don't spend enough, so I'm just going to guilt you into it, right? But, uh, but you're like, man, there's a hobby in your life. You might spend a lot of time. That could be a God. Maybe it's money. Alright, maybe it's money. I find myself wrestling with this at times. Like, I think, man, do I have enough money in my savings? So if something goes wrong, can we be okay? And so I look to it as security and hope and a place of comfort, and that's a God. Maybe it's health and fitness, right? Some of us are like, I am not skipping a workout today. Why? Because it's your God. And that's the thing you serve. Maybe it's comfort, sex, possessions, just stuff, and addictions, right? Addictions. Maybe there's an addiction in your life. That is the God you're serving. That's the thing that's getting your time. It's sucking your soul. It's your addiction. And maybe it's family and kids. I could park here for a while, but you all would get mad at me, right? But let me just say, most of us, if we're honest, we serve our family and kids like they're the gods in our lives and not the one true God we should worship. And then maybe it's politics, But maybe it's one of those. Let me just be honest with you. These are not bad in and of themselves. Don't look at that list and be like, Austin told me to love not my kids and family. Like it's not what I'm saying. Those are fine, but they're poor gods. They're very bad substitutes for the one true God that you and I are called to worship. And so we have to go back to this question, who or what am I serving? Now to help answer that question and make the right choice, and let me give you a hint, the right choice is, God. All right. He's the right choice. But to get there, I want to show you what Joshua tells Israel in chapter 24 of the book of Joshua, because he's going to tell tell Israel three things. He's going to say, Hey, remember, respond and rely. All right. So if you're taking notes, I'm a note taker too. That's the way we're going, right? Remember, respond and rely. And so Joshua says, I want to give you these things, Israel, because I want you to make the right choice. And I think we too need these things. So we make the right choice in serving God. So let's start with remember. In uh, verse 1 of chapter 24, this is how it starts. It says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. So it's almost like an all-school assembly. You remember those, right? Like Classes are not happening. Everyone's in the auditorium. You're waiting to hear, like, what are they going to say? What are they going to tell us? Like, that's kind of what's happening in Israel right now. Everyone's in one place. Everything's on pause. Joshua stands up before them, and he has one final address to give them before he is done. Now, as he stands up before Israel, first thing he wants to do is he wants them to remember. He wants them to remember God's faithfulness and God's goodness to them throughout their history. Now for sake of time, I'm not going to read you everything he says because he goes on for the next 12 verses to recount God's faithfulness. But what's interesting is how it happens is this. Is Joshua in a sense becomes a prophet because he starts out his address by saying, thus says, thus says the Lord. And after that, it's God speaking through Joshua. And what happens is what's, what God is doing is he is speaking through Joshua as a prophet and God is speaking to Israel and he starts to recount the history of Israel and his faithfulness. He says, Israel, remember me when I called Abraham. Remember when I called him and I blessed him with offspring and I made his family into a great nation. Remember when I sent Moses to deliver you out of slavery from Egypt. He says, remember how I delivered you from Egypt and how I parted the Red Sea so that you could escape your enemies. He says, "Remember all those years in the wilderness when I was faithful to you when you were wandering. Remember how I dried up the Jordan River so you could cross it on dry ground and get into the promised land that you have right now." And then he says, "Remember Jericho. Remember that great city that I gave you victory over. Remember all those people and those cities and nations that I allowed you to conquer." And at the very end of that address, God says this through the prophet Joshua, He says, I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and the olive orchards that you did not plant. God says, I was the one who was faithful to you. I did everything for you. I fought for you. I delivered you. I provided for you. He says, Israel, remember my faithfulness. And you might've caught it, but there's a theme. It wasn't Israel that did all the work. Who did it all? God. God did it all over and over. It is God who is faithful. God who is faithful. God who is faithful. It was not Israel. The focus is God. And Joshua says, Israel, if you're going to choose to serve the Lord, first and foremost, remember how good and faithful He's been to you and let that motivate you to choose Him over other gods. And the same is true for us. That as we wrestle with that question, who or what am I serving? Am I going to serve God or am I going to serve one of those other false gods? I want you to think about God's faithfulness. Think about how good he's been to you, right? Think about what he's done in your life to bring you in a relationship with him. Think about the fact that before you knew him, before you followed him, before you cared about him, he sent Jesus to this world to die on the cross for your sins, to give you hope. And he chose you and he loves you and he's redeemed you and he's made you his son and daughter. And when you think about all the sin that He's forgiven you of, you think about the spiritual growth He's brought in your life, when you think about the ways He's provided for you, oh my gosh, what's the logical response? God, I choose to serve you. I choose to serve you above anything else. And that's what Joshua wanted Israel to do here out of the gates. So the first thing Joshua says is, hey Israel, remember what God has done. But He doesn't stop there. He says, I want you to do something and it's this. I want you to respond. See, Joshua knows it's not enough just to acknowledge God's been faithful. He says, you got to do something. You got to respond. You got to respond to that kind of faithfulness in your life. And look at how he tells Israel to respond in verse 14 and 15. He says, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, ser- rather, i sorry, rather the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua says, Israel, remember God's faithfulness; don't forget it. But you got to do something. You got to respond to that faithfulness. And he says, you got to respond by picking a side. Like you got to pick a team. Like Israel's trying to ride the fence and go, yeah, I really want this faithful God. I want to serve him, but I really want to hold on to some of these other false gods. Like I want to hold on to those idols that we used to worship, or I want to hold on to maybe that idol, that other nation over there is serving. But God says, you cannot do both. He says, Israel, you got to make a choice. So, so think about it this way, right? Let me, something we can all talk about for a little bit, Ohio state of Michigan, right? So, uh, I am not a huge college football fan. Some of that is I grew up in North Carolina. And if you know anything about North Carolina, we do not care about football because we have college basketball. College basketball is, is king down there. So I didn't grow up watching a lot of college football, but I enjoy sports. So I'll, I'll watch college football every now and then. I'm, a, I'm, I'm fine with that. But, but because I'm not a fan, one of the things I realized when I moved to Ohio back in 2012, I quickly realized two things. First, college football is king, all right? You guys don't like college basketball that much. I don't know why, but it's all about college football. Uh, and this robbery is no joke. Like you guys get heated and I get that. Uh, let's, so let's just say, since I'm not a fan of neither, and I'm like, I could watch that game and be like, whatever. I just love watching you guys bicker on Facebook and it's fine. Um But let's say I'm just going to choose a side. So I'm going to stand up here this morning and go, hey, uh, I'm going to choose which team. So I think I'm going to go both. I'm going to get some Ohio State gear and some Michigan gear, maybe mix it up, wear both at the same time, like, you know, cheer for both. Some of you are like, you're an idiot. I want to punch you in the face, right? Like, I get it. Like, that is a dumb thing to do. Why? They're enemies, right? These two teams don't like each other. You cannot be a fan of both. If you love one, you hate the other. And it's the same way Joshua is saying, Israel, get off the fence. Like, you're either on team God or you're on team false gods. Like, you're not on both. You have to decide. He says, Israel pick. And the exact same thing is true for us that we want to so bad serve God, but we also want to serve other things. And God says, I don't share my Lordship with anyone else or anything else. He says, I don't share my glory with other modern false gods, no matter how attractive they are, no matter how much we want to serve them. You have to pick just like Israel. We have to pick, are we going to serve God or are we going to serve something else? And I just feel compelled to say this. I said this in first service, and I want to say it again. Uh, I think there's some people in this room uh, that you are really struggling, and you're going, Austin, I don't know why I'm not growing spiritually. I don't know why I feel stuck. Like, I feel like I'm trying to grow. Nothing's happening. I feel like God's not moving in my life. Like, you're like, I don't feel intimacy in my relationship with the Lord. And you just feel stuck. And there could be many reasons for that. But I I just want to, for a moment, suggest maybe one of the reasons is this, is that you're on the fence. You got one foot in with serving God, but you got the other foot in with serving another God. And you got to decide which way are you going to fall? Because God's not going to share his lordship with something else in your life. He says, I demand your worship and service and I demand it alone. And so you have to decide where are you going to go? And that could be maybe why you're stuck spiritually. So surrender, jump in, serve God, choose to serve him, not something else. So this gets us back to Joshua's challenge to Israel. So he says, Israel, choose who you're going to serve. But then he says, respond by doing this, forsaking and getting rid of your idols. Don't just respond in lip service and say, yeah, I get it, God. You're faithful. I choose you. Joshua says, step up to the plate and actually get rid of those idols. Do something about it. Remove them from your life and your presence. Repent and add some action to it. And that's true for us as well. Just like we have to choose, are we gonna serve God or something else? If we choose God, and I hope that's what we do, we gotta do something about those idols. And this made me think of a uh, illustration back when I was doing student ministry. So before I transitioned to our pastoral team a couple of years ago, I was our student ministries director. And I got to work with middle school and high schoolers for many years and it was great. And one of the things that was pretty popular and still is among the high school boys and middle school boys was video games. There was a lot of video games. Like, if I wanted to hang out with a student, I just played video games. It was kind of cool to get paid for that. Um, but, uh, a lot of video games. And there was this one kid, I'm not going to mention his name, uh, but he was, he's one of my friends now. He's an active part of our church, but he was a kid that he loved video games. Like, and I'm not talking love. Like, he was obsessed. Like, the amount of money and time that this dude spent on video games was insane. So I texted him a few days ago and I'm like, Hey, I want to use you in a sermon. I'm not going to use your name. And this is what he said about his uh, video games back then. He says, I was addicted, and it was clearly an idol. And he knew that. Like, this was a high schooler that he was trying to serve God. He was involved in the youth group. He was getting involved in the church. But he also, in many ways, was serving his Xbox. He was serving his video games. Like, the time and energy and money, he was trying to do both. And I remember one day, i never forget when he told me this, because I'm like, no way. He's like, I'm going to sell everything. My Xbox, video games, all the systems, I'm done. And he sold it all. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, dude, that's awesome. And what he did in that moment is he made a choice. And I know some of you are thinking like, oh, that's cute, a high school boy selling their Xbox. Like, let's talk about real struggles, right? But let's be honest. That's a big move for that kid. That is a very big move. And that was a bold move. And what he did is he chose to serve God and said, I know I'm serving something else. And I'm not just going to leave it in my life and act like I'm not going back to it. I'm going to remove it. I'm going to do something with it. So what about you? Now, granted, I don't want you to go sell your family if they're your idol. Don't do that. Uh, I don't want you to quit your job tomorrow. Uh, if you want to hit the gym, that's fine. I'm not saying stop it. But what I am saying is this. You've got to do something. you got to do something. you got to limit it. Maybe it's limiting how much time you're giving to that other false god. Maybe it's how much money you're giving to it. Maybe it is something you just need to remove completely. Maybe it's social media. It's your idol. It's your God. You need to get off of it for a while. Maybe some of you just need to find an accountability partner and say, hey, I'm struggling to serve this instead of God. I need you to call me out. I need you to help me. But you got to do something because God's not going to tolerate you doing both. you got to pick. you got to choose him over other false gods, and you got to get those things out of your life. And so it, Joshua says to Israel, remember, remember what God has done. Get rid of those false gods by responding to that faithfulness. But then he reminds them of one final thing. He says, "Rely, rely." See, so after Joshua tells them to put their false gods away, he says, "You're going to need to rely on God because you can't do it on your own." As much as you want to make that choice, as much as you want to make that commitment, man, you better believe you're going to need God's help to do that. But it's funny how Joshua gets there. So I want to I read you these couple of verses. Look what's happens between Joshua and Israel. He says, Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. So what, do you, what Israel's doing there, it's, it's great. He, they, they say, hey, Joshua, we're in. We hear you. We're on board. We're in line. Like, we want to serve God. We make that choice. But look how Joshua responds. But Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. Thanks, bro. Like, come on, man. Like, so you want us to serve God. You tell us to choose God. Israel chooses God. And now Joshua's like, ah, too bad. You actually can't do it. What is he going to say? He says, he's a jealous God. For he is a holy God, he is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or sins. And so it goes back and forth. This happens like two or three times in this chapter. And Israel says, we choose God, we choose God, we choose God. And Joshua says, you cannot do it, you cannot do it. Why is he saying that over and over? It's almost like he's talking Israel out of it. And he's trying to get them to go out, but he's not. He's saying, Israel, I want you to know that you cannot do it on your own. You cannot follow through with that commitment on your own. If you think you have what it takes to choose God and to serve him alone, you're going to be be—you're gonna fail. Like you're going to start, and by the end of the day, you're going to not be serving God. Like you need God's help. And then Joshua adds this weird line. He says, God does not forgive your sins, basically. And you're like, that's an odd thing to put there because doesn't God forgive sins? Yes, he does. What does Joshua mean? He's saying Israel, he says, hey, I want you to know, That God is not going to tolerate you trying to serve both him and something else. That he is a jealous God. He is a holy God. He's not going to share that glory with anyone else. He's not going to share his lordship. So he says, hey, if you're going to commit to serve God, understand the seriousness of that commitment. Understand the weight of that commitment. Understand that God demands that type of commitment. But what does this mean for us? Like when we hear Joshua say to Israel, you cannot do it, what does that mean? And I think it should help us because here's the thing, and, and this is going to sound cheesy. We could put it on a sign and put it in our house, but uh, I think it moves us from a place of self-help to God help. Right? I know you're like, that's bad. I know, but it makes sense. Like we need to move from self-help to God help. And here's what I mean. We live in a culture, right? That is, that is just swimming in a self-help kind of mindset. There's podcasts, there's books, there's programs. And before you think I'm knocking on it, I'm not. Like if you go to my office right now, you will find a lot of books on productivity and habits. Like I love that stuff. I listen to the podcast. I enjoy getting into that. But what I find myself doing, and I would bet you do as well, and I know we do as a culture, is we get into the mindset, especially in our spiritual lives, that we can do it all that we can build enough habits, that we can get productivity enough in our spiritual lives that we can figure this thing out, that we can do it. And that's our posture. I can do it. I got it. But I think what Joshua is reminding Israel and what he reminds us is this, is that even in our spiritual lives, we have to be in the posture of I cannot do it. Only God can. Yes, commit to serving the Lord. Yes, choose him over other things. But you better believe you're gonna have to rely on him to help you do that. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot. Now that leads us to our final stacking stones moment. You're like, aren't we talking about stacking stones? Like, where's that been? It's here, right? It gets to it at the end of chapter 24. After Israel has said, yes, we want to choose to serve the Lord. We're going to respond by putting away our false idols. We're going to rely on God's help. Joshua responds like this. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, behold, this stone shall be a witness against us. For it has heard all the words that the Lord has spoken to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So it's interesting. It's just like a couple of other stones in the book of Joshua. This is just one. It's not a stack. It's just one stone. But there's also something unique about this stone, if you caught it, that all the stones leading up to this point in the book of Joshua have pointed to God's faithfulness. All the times that Israel has stacked stones, it was to remind themselves of who God is and what he has done, but not this final stone. This final stone reminds them of their commitment to serve that faithful God. So really what this last stone represents is Israel saying, God, I see your faithfulness and I'm going to respond to your faithfulness by choosing to serve you. And that last stone was there to remind them that when they started to wonder to other gods, when they started to drift to serving other gods, that stone was there to pull them back and say, remember your commitment. Remember what you have committed to the Lord. Joshua calls it a witness. It's literally a witness against them that when they drift, that that when they go serve other gods, because we know they will, it calls them back and says, don't forget what you've committed to. I was there. I saw it. I heard it. So throughout this series, we have been looking at different stacking stones moments throughout the book of Joshua. And if you've been a part of this series the last few weeks, I hope hope you've been reminded of God's faithfulness. I hope that God has done things in your life, and maybe you stack some stones, maybe literally, maybe figuratively, but you stack stones to remind yourself of God's faithfulness. But this morning, as we get to the final stone, we have to answer this question, is have I responded to the goodness and faithfulness of God by choosing to serve him alone? If you've seen God's faithfulness in your life, the question is, have you responded by committing all to him and saying, I'm going to serve you over other things? Maybe it's one of those false gods we looked at on the screen a minute ago. You're going to say, God, I'm going to turn from serving one of those gods because I want to serve you. And there's some of you in this room, you've never done that. And maybe in this series, you've been reminded of how faithful God's been to you. He sent Jesus to die for you. When you were not even thinking about him, Jesus paid for your sins. He gave his life for you. He has been faithful to you all this time. He's been good to you. And maybe you need to respond to that the first time ever and say, you know what? I'm done serving these other things. God, I want to serve you. But a lot of us are in this boat. You've made that commitment. I've made that commitment. But if you're honest, you might be in a season right now, maybe the last few days, maybe the last few weeks, the last year, And you say, man, I'm really not serving God like I know I should. I'm not serving him like I used to or like I committed to back in the day. You're finding yourself maybe serving the God of work, success, money, approval of others, whatever, all that list. You are serving those things. And maybe this morning you need to go back to that stone and say, you know what? I'm going to go back to that commitment. I'm going to go back to serving the faithful God that I chose to serve because we all drift and we need to go back. So as we wrap up this morning, we're going to sing a song. It's a song we sing often around here, goodness of God. And it's a song that reminds us of God's goodness. It just over and over points us back to God's goodness and faithfulness to us. But in the bridge of that song, and we're going to sing it here in a minute together, you're going to notice there's in that bridge, we sing your goodness is running after me. So we respond by laying down our lives. We respond by giving him everything because of how good and faithful he's been. And when we surrender to him, part of that surrender is this, is that we are choosing to serve him and him alone. We are are choosing to serve him over any other false God in our lives. So with that in mind, let me pray and ask God to help us do just that. Father, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, we've seen it. God, we've experienced it. And Lord, many of us, we've already committed to serve you, but God, we've drifted. God, we've been caught up in serving other gods. And this morning, we want to come back. Maybe this is the final stone. Maybe as we sing this song, this is that final stone that we're going to lay down and go, God, remind me of that commitment. Help me to serve you. God, to come back to what I know I need to be doing. So God, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, God, that we would choose to serve you because of how good and faithful you are. God, help us to make that our response this morning. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Redemption Chapel. Go to redemptionchapel.com for more resources and information.